And let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 20. And we'll read through the end of the chapter. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips, put far from thee, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. If you look back at verse um, 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, are the issues of life. And we want to talk about this. Very interesting uh, when the Bible t teaches us about unity. And uh, so we've been talking about this, praying for revival, different members in the body of Christ, uh, loving one another, caring for one another, having the same uh, goals and concerns. Uh, but we want to go deeper than that. We want to be unified with ourself. This is so important. Um, a lot of people are torn apart, not by circumstances or other people or happenings. Their, their own life is uh, in division. So we want to look at this. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you'd bless the uh, study. We yield your spirit. We pray that he would fill us and flow through us. We pray that you'd cleanse us in thy blood and make us uh, vessels meet for the master's use. Lead us as to what to say, how to say it. Open the eyes of our understanding and help us like uh, Lydia that uh, our heart would just be open and the truth uh, would be received. Help us to understand we are multifaceted, fearfully and wonderfully made in thine image. Help us to know how to have unity in our own life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when the Pharisees came to Christ, they were trying to deceive him. They asked him, what is the great commandment? And what did he say? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. So the second is likened unto it. Romans 13, 10, love is the fulfilling of the law. So you love others as the law requires, as, as God's word requires you to treat them. So how are we going to love with all our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, if part of our heart, so I want to look at this tonight, not as a percentage of I love God 100% or 75 or 50 or 25, 
there are different aspects in God's Word of our heart, and we need to have these unified so that we can obey the greatest commandment. God deserves it. So negligence is a, it's a horrible thing. You have sins of commission, things that we do that we should not do, but then there's sins of omission. There's things God told us to do, but we neglect it. We put it off. We procrastinate. Maybe we just disobey. Some people actually rebel. They do not fulfill their God-given responsibilities. So this makes us accountable to God. Every man must give an account of himself to God. So here's an example. The Bible tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Not part of it, not a percentage of it, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So biblically, if we neglect to put on the whole armor, what is going to happen? We are a sitting duck, so to speak, an open target. The devil, these principalities, are shooting darts at us. They're attacking the people of God. They're looking for a chink in the armor. You have to put on the whole armor of God, not part of it. If I were you, I would study what they are. There's seven parts, counting prayer. Uh, put it on, because... The devil's shooting at us. So this text tonight, as we'll show you another verse, uh, relates to the same thing. Keep thy heart. You must keep all of your heart, not part of your heart, not a percentage of your heart. And so that word heart, um, it's an interesting word. It's a large word. Um, it, it encompasses many parts of our life. But it means the center of our life, the center really of anything. But we usually equate that to the seat of affections, the center. What do we love? How do we love? With what do we love? How much do we love? The center uh, of our emotion. But it's much more than that. It's really the center of our life. It's who and what we are. And so it means to be in the midst and to be enclosed, the center of our life. And Job said in chapter 31, 7, mine heart walked after mine eyes. So David said, mine eyes hath affected my heart. You have to be very careful what you look at. Uh, I cannot emphasize that enough. You have to be very careful. What you choose to look at is going to affect how you feel, what you, what you are in the center of your life. And so if you're distracted by looking at the wrong thing, that's going to cause division in your heart and you cannot love the Lord thy God with 
all of thine heart. So Jeremiah said in chapter 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? So can the Ethiopian change the spots of his, or the color of his skin? No. Uh, and also the Antichrist, you have the spots, all sorts of uh, prophecies that are relating to that passage. So the eyes um, control to some degree, they influence the heart. Very, very important. So the Bible tells us, keep thy heart. Now this word keep means to protect or maintain it. This is what I'm talking about tonight with neglect. Your heart will not maintain itself. Your heart cannot keep itself. You with free will in the volition of your God-given soul, you must keep your own heart, maintain it so that it is unified, as we'll look at. It's not divided against itself so that we can love God, do the will of God. And the word actually is watcher, which is in the book of Daniel. Remember, originally, God gave the principalities these watchers over different geographical areas. We've been studying this in Sunday school. Uh, the responsibility to guard and this is where one of the, the, the aspects of guardian angels come from. In a benevolent way, loving, kind way, they were to guard and watch over these nations of people, different continents, different geographical areas. We know that they rebelled against God, left their first estate, went after strange flesh, set up their own dominions, as we've been looking at, uh, they did not watch in a benevolent way. They became malevolent, uh, turned on these people, set themselves up as gods, little g. And uh, it says in Psalm 20, uh, 82, ye are gods, but ye shall die like a man. So we are to do what God told the watchers to do over these peoples. Guard your heart. Watch it. Care for it. Make sure that it's safe. Make sure your own heart is loving and kind and protect it. So this word keep is a military term of a sentryman on duty, um, as we would think of a watchman or a security guard that has a responsibility not to neglect, not to fall asleep, not to get distracted. That's why he said, don't look to the right hand or left. When you're on duty, that's all that matters. You have to be focused, zoned in when you're in the military. And we're all in the military, by the way. God's, I'm in God's army. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that, during hardness is you don't get much sleep. You know, you're on duty. Uh, that's all that matters. And so the enemy wants to do what? Get us to relax. Get us to get go casual. Get us to uh, get distracted. Look at that. Look over there. Fall asleep. Get a little bit tired. It's very, very trying to endure hardness as a good soldier. So 
we are to keep our heart. As someone in the military is entrusted with his brothers in, uh, who are in harm's way, they're trusting you to, to watch. You're trusting them. You know, we're trusting the military to protect us. We're trusting in the police to protect us, our law enforcement. We re rely upon them to a large degree. I know we trust in the Lord, except the Lord keep the house, they labor in vain that build it. We know all that. But when you're on duty, you can't go AWOL. Um, when my dad was in the military, one of his responsibilities was to arrest people who went AWOL, absent without leave. They just leave, run off, get homesick, you know, go out, go back home, and, you know, they'd get arrested and put in a brig and probably prosecuted. Some of them might have got a dishonorable discharge. I don't know. But we are to keep our heart. And if you don't keep your heart, only you can do it. Nobody, I can't keep your heart for you. You can't keep my heart for me. It's an individual responsibility. And what a lot of people do is they, they commit the sin of omission. It's not that they sinned or did anything evil, so to speak. It's just that they did not do the, the right thing. They were um, negligent in their duty. Another example of this. In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, Book of Beginnings, Adam failed to keep the garden. So when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, He commanded him to dress and to keep it. That's the same word. And we don't know what happened. Adam was gone. He wasn't present. What happened? Serpent entered in, beguiled Eve, the weaker vessel, and Adam failed in his responsibility. He did not keep the garden. If Adam would have been on duty, the serpent wouldn't have come in. We don't, we aren't, the secret things belong to the Lord. We don't, uh, it's not revealed to us all these things, but it's so important that we understand responsibility makes us accountable, and the word keep means to maintain it protect it. So in James 4.8, um, it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And then what does it say? Purify your hearts, you what? Double-minded. So one of the main problems and sins committed by not being single. That's why it says here, don't turn to the right hand or the left. Don't be double-minded. Purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands. Why? Because if you're going to draw nigh to God, you got to clean your life up physically. Touch not the unclean thing. Don't touch what you're not supposed to touch. Don't go where God told you don't go. That'll solve a lot. That'll prevent a lot of problems for you. Secondly, don't be double-minded. Ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
Don't rethink it. Don't second guess. Don't relive it. Don't become emotional. Don't be troubled and moved by the waves of life. Don't look back, draw back, turn back. Let thine eye be single. Don't look to the right hand or the left. So in purifying the heart, what is the context? Double-mindedness. In order to be pure in the heart, we have to be single. We have to be unified with who? Ourself. Once you're unified with yourself, you're not double-minded and pulled apart different direction. Then you can begin to unify with other Christians, and it's their responsibility to unify their heart. So, you know the old saying, my, my uh, heart tells me one thing, my mind tells me another. I'm torn, what should I do? Well, the Bible will tell you what to do. Can't live by emotion. Can't live by subjection or sentimentalism, these types of things. So, in 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. So, loving God means you cannot love the world. If you're double-minded, I love this, but I want to love him. I can't let go of that, but, so I can't grab hold of this. I'll grab hold of this, and then I'll grab hold of that with my other hand. I'll think about this part of the time, and I won't think about that any of the time. Or maybe I'll split it. And so it's very important that we love not the world. Now, Hosea 4.11 is an amazing verse. It says, new wine taketh away the heart. Now, that's not what we would call spirits or liquor or booze. New wine is fre fresh off of the vine. It would be like we would think of juice, grape juice, something like that. Even too much of a good thing, a natural pleasure of life, can take away your heart. You know, a lot of people, they get involved in things. It, within itself, it's probably not a sin, but there's too much of it. So it says when we run the race set before us, we have to lay aside the sin or the weights, which do what? Easily beset us. So, you know, you could just enjoy something too much and it'll steal your heart. You have to be very careful. Love not the world. You could love your hobby too much. You could love food too much. You could love a type of food too much. You could love traveling too much. You could love something that's not a sin in itself that would keep you from being single-minded to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart. So what is the significance of this? It tells us, because out of your heart are the issues of life. So the issues of life is an interesting doctrine. When you first study the word, it means boundaries, and then the boundaries you set, and then the outgoings beyond those boundaries that you set. So 
just as if we would have physical protection, physical safety, boundaries, certain places you don't want to go, certain people you do not want to associate with or subject yourself to, dangerous people. Like the Bible says, uh, go from an angry man when you perceiveth not in him the words of knowledge. You know, somebody's got a bad temper. Just walk out. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't argue. Don't present your case. They can't hear. They're irrational. Don't yell back. Just walk off. Go from an angry man. So just as if we have these principles physically, um, emotionally, we also have these principles for the issues of the heart that is the center of our life, the seat of affection, but of who and what we really are in the eyes of God and made in His image. We have these boundaries set around our heart, and then you can decide the outgoings, but first you have to set the boundaries. You know, a lot of people, they like the outgoing. Oh, yeah, that's, I'll bring this in, I'll send that out, I'll take this in. Uh, until you set up the parameters, scriptural, godly parameters of your heart, you don't know how to control the outgoings. So the word really means deliverance. Um, how are we going to get delivered? You know, we talk about substance abuse, addiction. What really delivers a person from all these things? It's when you put boundaries around your heart, and then you decide the outgoings of your heart. And when your heart is unified, all of it works together. And we'll, we'll show you the different parts of your heart. This will probably be a two-part message. But once you do that, then you have protection, safety, because your heart will not deceive you. Your heart cannot lie to you or trick you or even set you up. You know, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, we mentioned this recently. Uh, Jesus just said, as it is written, didn't take time to think about it, didn't get emotionally involved, immediately went to the sword of the Word of God as it is written and won victory over all the temptation. So if you think about, uh, you ever thought about that term cutting edge? And then you have this other term fringe on the outside edge of these weirdos, you know, who want everybody else that not just to accept them, but they want to force what they are on all the normal people. This is where we're at in the last of the last days. But the center of your life, then it means you can break forth of what you want of the outgoings and the incoming of your life. So you either have the center of your life or the fringe outward you know, a lot of people like fringe uh, as far as they can from the center, but still hanging on. Just as far out there, wait, out there. Oh, left for me is here, left over here is for you. Way out there in left field, as far from the center as they can get, but still wanting to hang around. So I want you to look then 
Uh, just to conclude for tonight, please turn to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. And Psalm 86 also deals with the gods who set up principalities, who rebelled against God, who became the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, just like Psalm 82. So let's look at Psalm 86, verse 1. Psalm 86, verse 1. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. So he's under attack. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice, I love that wording. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Now look at verse 8. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations, there it is, that worship these gods, whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name, for thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone, the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Now look at verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. And here's the key. Unite my heart to fear thy name. So the heart is made of different parts or facets that can be separated through time. And so it takes a work of God to unite the heart to fear God's name so that we can love Him with all of our heart. So you have all these gods out there that the heathen are worshiping. And they'll say, I don't worship uh, God. Well, the love of money is the root of all evil. And most people love money more than they love God. And they're worshiping Ashtaroth, the rainbow goddess, and Moloch, who re requires child sacrifice. They're worshiping Baal, the Lord, who's replacing the one true Lord, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They may not realize it. Some of them know they're doing it. Some of them do it, and they, they don't realize it. But the key is, unite my heart to fear thy name. So we're going to talk about this, uh, Lord willing, next time. It's very, very interesting. We are made in His image, and He deserves all of our love, all of our heart. So in conclusion, if you're not, if you can't get along with yourself, this is the problem. How can you get along with other people? If you don't like yourself, how can you like other people? If you cannot have a united heart, how can you unite with other Christians to get a job done to, tr to truly serve God? So it always begins, Lord, send a revival. Let it begin with me. M Unite me. 
I want to think the same, feel the same, love the same, have the right motive. I want all of my life to be one. Amen. All right, let's stand.